Well, hey, we're going to continue in our, our series uh, in the book of Acts. I didn't get to finish up chapter 4 last week, so I want to finish 4 and then actually even get into chapter 5. If you know, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Bible wasn't written in chapters. It was written more like letters. It was, it was, it was not divided by chapters and verses, okay? So sometimes we'll stop reading at a chapter and think that the next chapter is the next thought or the new thought. And that's not necessarily true. A lot of times they run through the chapters. So I didn't know if you knew that. Just thought I would help you with that this morning. So when you're reading your Bible, sometimes you need to read through the chapter exchange and don't get pinned down by the verses. Make sense? So I don't know if that helps or not, but we're, we're continuing with our series. And today I want to venture into a place in the Bible where some people get really stuck. Um... We're, we're talking about finances today. All the air just went out the tire. They're like, ah, I knew it. God got us all wound up with that worship. Then he's going to talk about money just like a preacher. Yep, just like a preacher. So we're talking about finances today, and the title of my message is Holy Ghost Generosity. Holy Ghost Generosity. We wrapped up. Last week with the authority of the believer, you can always go back to oscconnect.com and listen to any of our previous messages. You can download our app and, and, and get caught up and stay connected with us there. And so we wrapped up with the authority of the believer. And so once the, the, the Peter and John were released, remember they were imprisoned and threatened to never speak in Jesus' name again. They were released. Uh, they went back to the other believers and told them all that happened and the Bible says that the people rejoiced and praised God. Then watch this. Then they prayed for even more boldness and that God would do even more signs and wonders. There's something about the boldness of God when you finally step into it and you see the consequences of it and you, and you see the signs and wonders. It makes you go, God, can I have a little bit more? Come on, I've been on a diet lately, and my wife brought home some 100-calorie fudge popsicles, and I'm thinking, how many of them can I eat in one sitting? I want some more, right? So, so when you start to step out in that boldness that God gives you, and the signs and wonders start to happen, there should be something inside of you that says, Lord, can I have a little bit more? Just a side note, if you ever invite me to go eat at your house, you better have some extras, because I, I may or may not ask for more. I want to show you something in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, and then I'll get into the generosity part. This is worth bringing attention to today. Verse 31 says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God, what? With boldness. So hold up. Peter and John were just arrested for healing a crippled man. Threatened to never preach in the name of Jesus, and they told the people, we can't do that. We will always tell about what Jesus has done. They go back to the other believers, tell them what happened. They get excited. It's like a bad cold. They're spreading the stuff, man. And like they go back to the other believers and like, hey, man, we got arrested for, for the crippled dude. And, and they threatened us and they told us not to do this and not to do that. And we told them, you can take it, put it in your pipe and smoke it. I'm going to preach Jesus. And the whole crowd of believers erupted. The Bible says they rejoiced. It wasn't like what we heard this morning. I was, that's just getting you out of your comfort. This was some noise. Watch this. 
I went to bed thinking about this last night. The meeting place shook. Who shook the meeting place? Who shook the meeting place? I had this, this image. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. God is there in heaven listening to what they're saying. Lord, can we have some more boldness? Wait, what? Can we see more signs and wonders? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God, my children want some more. Oh, my God, and the meeting place shook. Could it be? Is it possible? I just flattened out the insoles in my shoe. <laughs> and then it says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they preached the word of God with boldness. Notice this is about the fourth or fifth time that the Bible says they were filled again. <laughs> you as full as you want to be. You can be full of Holy Ghost or you can be full of something else. It's up to you. You can be full of yourself or you can be full of Holy Ghost. If you fill yourself up with Holy Ghost, there might be a lot less of you. How many of you know sometimes you need a good long break from you? Your thoughts, your anxieties, your worries, your fears, your doubts, your insecurities, your depressions. You just need a break from you. Well, fill yourself up with the Holy Ghost. You might just get a break from you. Somebody ask you how you're different, why you're so different. Say, well, I'm on vacation from myself. <laughs> I, I wanted to bring, and I forgot to bring it, but I wanted to bring my DeWalt power set. And I got a reciprocating saw. And when I crank it, it's, it it'll like get your attention. It's got like a six or eight inch blade on it that'll just rip your arms. I use it to, I use it to cut wood in buildings. I use it to butcher cows and anyway, it'll cut bone, it'll cut wood, it'll cut nails. It's a powerful tool, but it requires being charged. So, so what I've learned is that I can charge up all my batteries and as long as I disconnect them from everything and put them in the bag, they'll stay charged but they, and they won't lose their charge as fast as if I leave them plugged in. But I also notice this, that the more I use my tool, the more it needs to be charged. So if I don't require recharging, then I'm not using my tool, which means that nothing's getting built. <laughs> When's the last time in your quiet time you said, Lord, I need a fresh filling of the Holy Ghost? When's the last time you were running on empty, running out of everything that you have inside of you because it's all you, and you sat down and said, Lord, would you fill me fresh and new again, God? Please, the kids have been crazy. world's been crazy. When's the last time? If you ain't going to build nothing, don't, ain't no sense in even charging the batteries. Walking with people through crisis and struggles and bringing encouragement into their life, leading a family, it, 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 tucks, it takes the power, the life out of your battery. You need to be recharged. This is like the fourth or fifth time that they were filled with the Holy Spirit again. The more you use it, the more you got to recharge it. Just you might ought to write that down. The more <laughs> I use it, the more I got to charge it. Mm. And some situations pull more out of you than others. 
So does that make sense? So you're as full as you want to be, and you're as full of whatever you want to be. Amen? So let me get into generosity. Holy Ghost generosity. The first thing I want to show you is that generosity is a fruit. It's a fruit of being filled with the Holy Ghost. It's a fruit of being in the presence of God. It's the, it's the consequence or a fruit of hanging out with God. When you hang out with God, you, you, you got to become like God. People that tell me they hang out with God, but they don't act like God, I, I don't believe them. Can I say that one more time? People that act like they hang out with God and say they hang out with God, but they don't, they don't actually have fruit that looks like they hang out with God, I don't believe them. Yeah, you can say, I'm not impressed by words. I'm impressed by actions. Actions like forgiveness. Actions like encouragement. Actions like I'm going through hell right now, but you can't even hardly tell because my faith is in action, right? Chapter 4, verse 32, it says, all the believers were united in heart and mind. And I pray that over us today that we'll be united in heart and mind, that this congregation of believers would be united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. Verse 34, there was no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. They were so united in heart and in mind. Heart and mind. Some of you want to believe we're united but in your heart, you're divided. And it may, it may not be like, a, like a, a fighting kind of divisiveness. It just may be that you're standing on the outside, not completely joining in because you're just not, you just got something going on with you that won't let you go all in with God and with his people and you're divided. It doesn't have to be a fight. Sometimes it's just a hesitation or fear that keeps you divided. Come on. If you're afraid to mess your kids up, you're not going to be the best parent you can be. Why? Because you got a fear that's dividing you from being all that God wants you to be. Is that making sense? So they were united in heart and in mind. They believed it. They thought about each other. They, they, they thought about others before themselves. They were, they were united in heart. That means that, that, that that's where your, your best expression comes from is your heart. It's coming from your heart. It's heartfelt. You know the word heartfelt? You can tell when somebody's trying to sell you a used car or not, right? It's not heartfelt. They're trying to hustle you. If you can't tell the difference between a hustle and a heartfelt, <laughs> pray for something. So, so the result was that generosity came flowing out of them. And so this kind of generosity caused them to feel differently about their own possessions. <laughs> you need a mind shift. You need a heart shift about your stuff. Get in the right environment with the right people, with the right spirit. Get united with those people. And all of a sudden, your stuff is just going to become stuff. It, it rusts, <laughs> it breaks, it falls apart. Come on, people steal it. 
It's just stuff. You'll start seeing your stuff as a crescent wrench or a screwdriver. It's just a tool to do what God wants to do. So they went from mine to ours. Mm. Mine to ours. They believed their possessions were not their own. Their own, they shared everything. <laughs> boy, boy. You see, when you get around God you, you, and what God is doing, you get influenced by God's heart. They started acting differently, thinking differently, giving differently. Some of you, can I just tell you today in the, very, the kindest way possible, some of you are standing on the edge of all that God is doing, but you won't go all the way in. And if that's you and the Holy Spirit just confirmed that to you, you need to ask why right now. Right now in your own heart, just ask why, Lord. Why am I not stepping into all that you're doing? What's holding me back? And the Holy Spirit will give you an answer right now. And whatever that answer is, you need to put your hand on your heart and you say, I kick that out in the name of Jesus. I evict that in the name of Jesus right now. And it'll leave you right now. Because some of you are standing just on the outside of, what's God, of what God is doing. You're intrigued. You want to be a part, but you're still afraid. You might be afraid of what it's going to cost you. <laughs> yeah. You might be afraid it's going to cost you some relationships. Some of you are, are participating in the demonic holiday called Halloween because you're worried about what other people think and you're not thinking about what God may think about his children celebrating the devil's day. You're afraid to take a stand. You're afraid to say no. You're afraid to do something different. You're afraid to go all in with God because if you do, you might get labeled a Christian and you might lose some people. Whoever you're afraid of losing, you need to go ahead and just lose them. Because they got too much power in your life. <laughs> Even Peter got called Satan when he told Jesus he was going to take care of business for him. You're intrigued, but you're still afraid. You're afraid of what it's going to cost you. You need to ask God, what am I afraid of? You need to process the things that are going on inside of you. You know what, you know what f f just blows my mind away today? People don't think. People don't think. We don't think. We walk through the world like zombies. We don't think. I got all these emotions, all these feelings going on inside of me, and I'm just trying to figure out how to live with them. Hold up, wait a minute. What if you just kick it out? What if you just bring it to the Father and say, Lord, would you deal with this? Lord, I'm feeling this way. Would you help me? I told the old the other day, I said, Lord, why am, I, why am I so insecure about this? And you know what he did? He answered me. What? He answered me.
So if you're hanging out with God and still aren't generous, there's a real problem with your hanging out. If you're hanging out with God and you still aren't generous, there's a real problem with your hanging out. Because generosity is a fruit. Number two, generosity is a character issue. It's a character issue. Verse 36, for instance, so, so they were, he just said, he said there was no needy people among them. Can you say self-sufficient? No needy people among them. They were sharing everything they had. They sold their things, brought it to the apostles to give to those who had need. There was no needy people among them. Chapter, I mean, point number two, generosity is a character issue. For instance, so he starts to give us some examples. This is what I love about the Bible. It always makes things clear for us. For instance, he's about to give you two examples. There was Joseph... The one the apostles named, nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was the one from the tribe of Levi, or he was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold the field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. So, so the Bible's given us two examples of generosity, okay? Joseph, Barnabas, let's just stick with Barnabas because that's how you're going to know him the rest of the way through Acts. Barnabas goes and sells a piece of land and he takes the money from the land, brings it to the apostles to distribute it however they felt it needed to be distributed. Does that make sense? That's generosity. Nobody made him do it. There was no laws, no decrees, nothing that said he had to do it. He felt in his heart because he's hanging out with God and the fruit of, it, of his hanging out with God is generosity. Generosity, he said, I, I, I've got some land. I can sell this land. I can bring that money to the apostles and we can keep taking care of all these people that God keep adding to the church. His name's Barnabas. He was a great man with great character. We first meet him right here. This is where we first meet Barnabas. But I, let me tell you something. Barnabas is about to stick with us the rest of the way through the Bible. Barnabas gets famous, and it all started with generosity. Can you say Shazam? <laughs> he was a great man with great character. He was honest in his giving. He sold it, and he gave what he desired to give. He must have wanted to be part of, of this great move of God. There was something in him that said, you know what, I see God moving in this community. I see God moving in this body. I, I want to I invest in that. I want to be a part of that. So he sold something and brought it and made an investment into it. Come on. I, I see it this way, and you, you might could take this wrong, but it's just the way I see it. He gives his way into what God's doing. You say, well, well, he bought his way. No, he didn't buy his way in. He gave his way in. He was generous. Why? Because he wanted to be where God was. And when he was, with, he was when, when he was where God was, generosity was a fruit that just kept coming out of his life. Barnabas would be the guy who goes and finds Paul. Nobody wanted to touch Paul because Saul, before he was Paul, Saul was killing Christians. Barnabas, the guy who gives a generous gift in the beginning, gets used by God to go and get Paul. 
And then the Bible says that he leads Paul for a great season in Paul's life. Now, if you're Paul's leader, bro, you something else. He was a Levite, which means that he, was likely, he likely came from a wealthy family. In comparison to the rich young ruler, Barnabas goes all in, even with his possessions. So you might want to write this down. Until the kingdom of God becomes more important than our possessions, we will always struggle with our possessions. Until the kingdom of God becomes more important than our possessions, we will always struggle with our possessions. How many of you get tired of struggling with your possessions? And you even may walk away sad if you're not careful. So Barnabas gets mentioned all throughout the New Testament. He was used by God to bring lots of folks to Christ. It all started with one act of generosity. To be used by God must have been more important to him than hanging on to his things. Some of you are locked down by your stuff. It's stuff. The termites will come get your house. Don't fall in love with it. It's just a house. Second example, going into chapter five, Ananias and Sapphira, <laughs> they see what Barnabas did and they want to get a Barnabas reputation. The problem is they want a Barnabas reputation without Barnabas character. That's a real problem. Like they wanted to be known as generous just like Barnabas, but they didn't have the character that Barnabas had. You see, you got to have some character with your stuff. Acts chapter 5, verse 1 to 6. But there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property, just like Barnabas did. He brought part of the money to the apostles, watch this, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Now we got a problem, Houston. He sold property, great, sold property. Remember, he didn't have to, Barnabas didn't have to. He sold property and he brings the money after he done shanghaied a little bit off the side for himself and he brings the money to the apostles and he messes up because he claims this is the full amount. He wants a Barnabas reputation without Barnabas character. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? And he brings it to the apostles claiming it was, and he has his wife's consent. He was married to the wrong woman. I could never get away with that with Cheryl. I can't get away with nothing. I'm so grateful for this woman. She keeps me holy. <laughs> then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? Now watch this. Ananias and Sapphira were a part of the people who were filled with the Holy Ghost again. And now all of a sudden they're filled with Why have you let Satan fill 
your heart. You, you lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but you were lying to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Dun, dun, dun. So suspenseful and dramatic. This brother died. Quick lesson. Don't lie to God. <laughs> just, it was there. I just had to say it. Like, don't lie to God. Don't lie to the Holy Spirit. Don't let Satan fill your heart with something that don't need to be there. Everyone heard about it and was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. Newsflash, this is the last time we hear about him. Because his character wasn't right. You could be broke as a joke. And as long as you got some good character, you got a lot. God can do more with your good character than he can with all your money. While everyone else was seeking to serve everyone else, these two were seeking to serve themselves. They were dishonest in their giving. So big difference. Barnabas honest in his giving. No strings attached to my giving. God moved on my heart. Generosity is a fruit. It comes out. I sell something. I bring it to the apostles. Bada boom, bada bing. It's all done, right? Honesty. Just honest in my giving. Just honest in my giving. Good character produces great generosity inside of me. The presence of God produces great generosity inside of me. Just be honest in your giving. Just be honest. It's yours to do whatever you want to do with it. Not everybody in this church ties. Only 20% of you tithe. <laughs> that means if there was 100 of us in here, only 20 of you would be giving. Does that not bother you? <laughs> My God in heaven. Can I go back to what I said earlier? Can I just say this again? I just feel like I need to say this again. If you're hanging out with God and you still aren't generous, there's a real problem with you're hanging out with God. And by the way, side note, your generosity is not for me. Your generosity is for you. You're giving yours away and it's for you. It, it benefits you. It blesses you. But, but you don't believe that. You believe the lies of the enemy. Satan's filled your heart with lies and now you don't want to give because you're afraid you're going to lose something. <laughs> it's up to you. You give as much as you want. God invites us into a life of generosity. He does. He invites every single one of us into a life of generosity. He says, come on, come hang out with me. Be generous. Why would he invite us into a life of generosity? Well, number one, because he only has good for us. He's only going to invite you into good places. God will never invite you to a bad restaurant tweet that <laughs> he only invites us into good places why would he invite us into generosity 
Let me show you why. That place of generosity is called sowing and reaping. It's a principle that God put on this planet for all of us, that if we'll sow, we'll reap. It's, it's, a, it's a life of generosity. I'm, I'm going to show you a picture of, of, of a rice head in the field. I stopped, put my hip waders on this morning, went and snapped that picture with my uh, flip phone. No, I'm, I just lied. I'm joking. Uh, I stole that from the internet. Um, that, that is a head of rice. It's, it's a, a stalk of rice is what it is. And you see all the different, just in case maybe some of you are like clueless, that's a rice, that's a rice, that's a rice, that's a rice, that's a rice. All those little yellow bulb looking, that's rice. You know where that rice came from? One seed of rice. One seed of rice sown into the soil produces many more seeds of rice. And you just got invited into that. Why in the world would God's people be greedy? Why in the world would we be stingy? Why would we hold on to our stuff and not sow it? Why would we do that? Only because we believe the lie of this world and the lie of the enemy. That you got to get yours, hold on to yours, and take care of yours. That's not what I'm reading in the book of Acts. It's an open invitation. God, God gives us benefits. God, <laughs> he gives us an opportunity to benefit ourselves more than anybody else. You, you're so in love with this one seed and God's going, just give me the dang seed, put it in the ground, I'll give you 30,000 of them. Don't fall in love with one seed. If I was God, I'd be trying to trip you. Get the seed to fall out your hand and land in the dirt. And poof. Oh, I got a thousand seeds off that one seed. But watch this. If you don't accept that invitation, that's on you. Pastor Jamie's not going to be mad at you. God's going to provide. He always has. We do all that we do with 20% of you giving. Let me say it another way. We do all that we do with 80% of you holding on to your seeds. Imagine what we could do with the other 80% of the seed. We might could buy more fields, plant more crops, take more ground for the kingdom. So if you don't accept the invitation, that's on you. You can keep dealing with your stuff. You can keep living with your stuff in fear. Their character didn't match their reputation, the reputation they were after. You see, here's something you need to understand. If you have to lie or stretch the truth to make yourself look better, your character's jacked up. All right. What I find interesting, though, is that Barnabas' reputation gets enlarged while Ananias and Sapphira 
their story ends. It has something to do with generosity. I don't care what you tell me. He gave his way into God's great story. Let me give you an example of something that happened recently, actually about a year or two ago. Pastor JJ is our, our Crowley pastor, and um, they had Crowley campus has always struggled financially in their giving. Uh, their tithes and offerings would, would range somewhere between 1000 to, at, at best, 3000 a week. And it was always a struggle. So, in fact, it was, it was hard to even hire him and pay him to be in Crowley because it, it, it almost wasn't enough money to pay his salary. So Jennings and Eunice, our money goes to Central, and out of Central, we helped to support them for a while, okay? Now, J.J. comes from South Africa, and he's been trained in sowing and reaping his whole life. He understands the principle. So he gets settled into Crowley after we come back from COVID, and he starts looking at his financial situation in Crowley, and they had a little bit of money in a legacy account, which was to be used for buildings or whatever else. And so he asked permission from the board and the elders and the pastors if he could sow a seed from that. Okay? So, so I'm like, sounds good, bro. Go sow a seed. So he comes back a couple days later. He says, hey, the Lord wants me to sow a seed into Eunice. I'm like, Okay. So he, he takes $5,000 of their money in Crowley and sows it into Eunice into our legacy account. So the money went from one legacy account to another. He sowed the seed. Instantly, his giving went up. Instantly, it went up. Within a couple of months after sowing the seed, his, his income came up. He hired two people. Actually, he hired three, one full-time and two part-time people. And they're paying for themselves. I'm going, bro, why you did that to me? But the Bible says when you sow into good soil, it reaps a good harvest. Congratulations, Eunice, you're good soil. You're good soil. Pastor JJ took 5,000 seeds and stuck them in the, the ground called Eunice, and now he's getting a return for it, and he's, his church is growing, not even numerically. His numbers, his attendance numbers were going down, and his finances were going up. Get you some of that, Satan. Get you some of that, church experts. Right? Sowing and reaping. You've been invited into that. You know what happens if you don't sow anything, right? You know what you get? No, you get weeds. That's what you're frustrated with right now. All of those that, all of you who aren't giving, who aren't generous, you're frustrated with your finances. You're frustrated because you've got weeds in your field and you don't know how to get rid of them. How do you get rid of the weeds? Somebody say Roundup. No, not Roundup. That, well, maybe so. Maybe Roundup could be repentance. But how do you get rid of the weeds? How do you you got to outgrow the weeds. You need to sow more good seeds of rice to outgrow the seeds of wheat so that eventually the rice chokes out the weeds. We're going to have to come back around to that because i got a lot more I want to say, and I'm running out of time. So how do we get this Holy Ghost generosity? Number one, uh, when we want more for the kingdom than for ourselves, Number two, when we live on mission, 
When our life is intentional, our finances are intentional, our possessions have an intentionality to them. We don't just sit around and let the world sway us. We tell our money what to do. Come on, Dave Ramsey. When, you, when we yield every area of life to God, we get some Holy Ghost generosity. When we live with heaven on the brain, we get some generosity. When we finally see money and possessions as a tool and not a God. Number three, and I'm going to wrap it up. Holy Ghost generosity is God's welfare system. I could spend a series on this. Let's go back to verse 33 of chapter 4. Watch this. God's great blessing was upon them all. There was no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. God knows how to take care of his people. Amen. You know how God takes care of his people? With his people. God takes care of his people with his people. He uses his own people to help take care of his people. You know, there's people in the body of Christ who have the gift or the, the anointing to go and make money. Like they could grab a broke down toothbrush, go to Walmart and make $1,000. And you're sitting there like, how in the world you did that? And they can't even explain it. They're just anointed to go make money. You, ever, you know people like that? It's like they touch anything and boom, turns to gold. Well, they're anointed by God to do that. Why? Because God uses his people to take care of his people. But this is his welfare system. This is his welfare system. I don't know if you've been putting your hope and your trust in the government. But surely you've been let down a minute or two, a time or two. You know, God never intended for the government to be your welfare system. God uses his people to take care of his people. Which means this, if we're lacking something or missing something, it's only because some folks are holding on to their something. If we're lacking something and we're missing something, it's only because someone's holding on to their somethings. So an attractive church is a generous church. And honestly, when I read the scriptures, we should be self-sufficient. I want to leave you with this today. I have a lot of plans in my heart. I have a lot of things that God's told me over the years that we're going to do. I want to share a few of them with you just to kind of get you on the same page. Because I believe if that other 80% would get generous, we can do a lot of things in this region. We could do a lot of things in this region if the 80% would get generous. In my heart, God's stirring to start a school. Not because other churches have started schools, because God wants to shape children's worldview and he wants to stop sending kids to Rome to be educated by Caesar. I want 
to start a school where we can shape children's worldview so we can change the globe over years. That's in my heart. But that takes resources. It takes, it takes time. It takes people. I want to hire more people. I want to hire some very strategic positions to do more things. I want to get into the public schools because we can't, we can't school everybody, right? So there's always going to be public schools, but we can get in there and influence those public schools, can't we? I want to hire people that can do that. I want to hire some folks that work here full time so we can reach into areas that we're not yet reaching into. I got more plans than we got money. <laughs> Ask my wife, that's true about my personal finances. I got stuff planned in my house that's gonna take a miracle to happen. But I got plans in my heart because if I don't have plans in my heart, I don't know where I'm going, right? So I'm just sitting here waiting. I'm like, Lord, come on, man, get the people generous. Get the people generous. I'm preaching, be with Jesus. Just go be with Jesus. Go hang out with Jesus. You might get some generosity on you. As it comes, we'll start executing the plans. God didn't send us here to play church. He sent us here to transform a region, to transform people's lives. It's not about us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you. We worship you today. We declare that there's none greater than you, O oh God. Jesus, you're the king of all kings and the, the Lord of our lives. And today I pray that as we hang out with you, a spirit of generosity would come over us. And God, this church would become a Holy Ghost generous church. The kind that's just motivated and driven by the Holy Ghost. That we'll, we'll hear you when we get up in the morning to go do this and to go do that and to go give this and to go bring that over there and let these people use this. And we'll hear that, God, and we'll get united in heart and in mind. And I pray over every person who's standing just on the brink of what you're doing. And for whatever reason, they won't sell out to you. I pray today, God, that you would give them a grace push. I pray today that you would give them a grace nudge. That, God, you would show them, help them to see what's in the middle. Help them to see what's going on where God is, where the action is. And I pray today we'll abandon everything have more of you. That's what I see in the book of Acts, and I pray that over us in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?